0: Good evening, Oasis. How are you guys doing? Some people are doing good, some are not. My name is Ben Geetson. If you're new here, uh, if it's your first time at Oasis, welcome. Uh, Because it's my first time at a kickoff in over 10 years. I'm the new Oasis pastor. I was hired this last summer. Uh, Yes, thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) Thank you. I I said this two weeks ago, and it's maybe my favorite joke, because Steve Warner said it to me. Uh, when, when I, he first offered me a job. He said, they only hire Ben's for the Oasis ministry. And so if your name is Ben, just put in an application. <laughs> my bosses are right here. So depending on how tonight goes, it might work. Um, I wanted to, <laughs> uh, I want to put a picture up again. I did this two weeks ago with my family. Uh, just to give you guys a little glimpse of, of kind of who I am. There they are. So I've been married for nine and a half years. There's my wife Abby on the right. My, my daughter Alice is in the middle. Her name's Alice Joy. I call her AJ. And then Wesley uh, is my little boy. He's four. And yes, he's named after John Wesley, who was the founder of the Methodist slash we're a Wesleyan denomination. So a lot of this just church has had a lot of influence in my life. That's my family. Um, they... Uh, they are not the reason I do what I do because Jesus is the reason I do what I do, but, but the woman right there on the right, I'm excited for her to be able to partner with me in doing ministry, not only here with Oasis, but with Grace Point, because uh, I've been allowed to become more of the person God has desired me to be because she's been in my life. And so I'm excited for you guys to meet her, and some of you have, and some of you know her. Um, tonight, what I want to do so I want us to think about real quick before we kind of get into a little bit of a message, um, a little bit of just kind of my story so you guys know a little bit where I'm coming from, even how I came to give my life to Jesus. What I, what I want us to think about before we get started is think back to the first time you were asked, what did you want to be when you grew up? Just think back. Try to remember what was the first time you can remember that you have a recollection of someone asking you that question. What do you want to be when you grow up? The first images and thoughts that come to my mind when, when I was asked that question is, I'm a Minnesota Viking fan. Let's go. Hey, 1-0, we're going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> I'm a Viking fan, and there was a wide receiver whose number was 81 his name was Chris Walsh he never played he was the best special teams player in the history of the NFL and no one knows him but I wanted to be him when I was like five years old I wanted and as you can tell by body type I could have been an NFL player it's very obvious more like a golfer (laughs) Um, but I wanted to be that and then I get into, get into elementary school and then I actually wanted to be a golfer because I actually golfed in high school, which is a whole nother thing. Uh, but there were, there, there, there's one person that I, I heard recently. They said when they were younger, they wanted to sell unicorns. And, and that's, that's, that's funny, right? It's like, oh, that's cute. That's funny. All I could picture was who's the person that had to tell her that unicorns weren't real and just crushed her dream. Just crushed it. I can't imagine. My, my little daughter, I asked her this, and she's two and a half, so you don't know what's coming out of her mouth half the time. But I asked her, I was like, hey, do you, do you know, like, who, do you, what do you want to be when you get older? Who do you want to be like? And at first she said, I want to be like her older brother, Wesley, because she's adorable, and she loves her brother. And then she said, Emma, who is our chocolate lab, who's seven years old and just sits and... it's horrible. And my son wants to be a dinosaur, apparently, when he grows up, so... Please pray for me. Please pray for me. <laughs> but I think what ends up happening is we, we grow up and we, and we think about all time. It's something we're always thinking about. It's like, oh, what do I want to be? We have this vision, this image, or this picture of, of what we want to be. And, and we, have, we have this picture, and, and this is empty for a reason, is we... we, we look at this and, and we have it in our head and, and we, can, we can even see it now that it's framed of this, this person or this job or something that we want to be. We have this vision. And we don't even call it a vision all the time. A lot of us don't even know that that's what we're doing. But a vision just simply is this. A vision in general is a picture of what we think we want to be. And a lot of time as we're growing up and I know this happened for me and I'm gonna get into my story a little bit is I had this vision and this idea and this image and this picture of what I thought I wanted to be. But I never, ever, ever brought God into the picture. You see, for me, when I was growing up, I grew up in a household where we went to, we went to church twice a year and some of you know my story a little bit and some of you have no idea what I'm about to say but I like to call us Creesters, where we went twice a year Could you imagine and guess which two Sundays we went? You guys are so smart. I love you. But that's what we were, is we were creasters. That's the only time we went. And so God was just not a huge part of my life growing up. You see, I grew up in a home where, to say it nicely, there was some dysfunction. Where we didn't really have what I would call healthy relationships, both my parents, from, from the time I can remember, were both alcoholics. And for me growing up, all I can remember is them at, at one point or another drinking or not being home. My mom going in and out of rehab centers. And I remember even as a teenager turning, turning 12, 13, 14 years old thinking, okay, I have this image of what I want to be and all I can think of, I just want to be alive, I just want to be safe. I just actually don't want to be who my parents are. And so my whole high school, middle school, being in here on South Dakota, was me just waiting for the day to graduate and get out. And I remember thinking, I just, I don't know what I want to be. I don't know what I want to go to. I know I just want to get out. And thinking, I don't want to be like my parents. And yet when I was 13 years old, I had my first beer with my dad on the golf course. And then it progressed, and by the time I was 14 and a half, I was drinking every day by myself after my family went to bed. And before I knew it, I'm 16, and pursuing in any way, shape, or form, needing something to drink every single day. I got arrested from the job I was working at because the money I was making wasn't enough to supply the need and the addiction that I had just to try to get through day-to-day life. And so I got to this place where, for me, this vision and this picture of what my life could look like stopped becoming a vision or a picture and was just trying to survive day-to-day. And some of you know people like this. Some of you may be experiencing this. Some of you have never met someone like this. But what I think is amazing about our God, what's amazing about the Father that we get to worship and sing to and experience, and the Father that loves us so much, doesn't care about the simple, wrong, sinful decisions that we make on a daily basis. He cares if we know it. And so I'm getting ready to graduate high school, and I'm getting to a place where I'm so excited. I have summer plans lined up. Graduation day happens. I'm leaving. I'm gone. And so I graduate. I get to Brookings, South Dakota State. What's up? Uh, Again, I'm going to college, spending thousands of dollars, not having any idea what I want to do. Can anyone relate to me at all with that? Or am I alone? Yes, let's go. (laughs) That's my laugh. You'll get used to it. (laughs) Because all I wanted to do was get out of my home. And so I'm living in in my my, my best friend's brother's fraternity. And what I thought was going to be an easier life once I just left the home that I was in, the home of dysfunction and verbal emotional abuse, and me drinking every day and feeling like I'm just going to survive or trying to survive going day by day by day. If I just left, things would get better. But things didn't get better. Because the problem that I had wasn't a location problem. The problem that I had was an internal soul problem. And it didn't matter where I was, it was still there. And I still needed something to be, meet, to be met with inside me. So I get to Brookings, I spend all summer partying and, and, and doing stupid stuff with, with my friends and we start having move in day uh, on campus late August. I move into Pearson Hall, room 208, I think. I don't remember. That's sad. And I move in and I, and I set up our stuff and I, and I, I met my roommate um, and I start playing Madden 05 because I'm that old. <laughs> and I have a comedian playing uh, some music and some guys across the hall yell at me and they, they, they say, hey, what are you doing? I said, I'm playing Madden 5. Stop yelling at me. And they said, well, we're playing Halo because Halo was a thing when I was going to college. I don't know if it is anymore, but it was when I was going to college. They said, we're playing Halo. Come over here and come play with us. They're like, all right, I'll come play. And these two guys, we just, I just started to befriend them. And all of a sudden we get, okay, through the weekend and and we get to our first day of class and, and my first day of class was university experience. Do they still have that here? No, maybe not. University experience, we don't even know. That's crazy. That's how old I am. University experience was just this, it, it was like the classic, here's what you're going to go through when you're in college, which I don't know why it was a, was a course. I don't know how many credits I got for it. But all of a sudden, I'm sitting there, and somehow I showed up early to class, which was not normal for me. And in comes walking the guy that was across the hall from me in the door. His name was Levi. I was like, oh, awesome. I'm going to know someone in class. This is great. And so he sits down, and we, get, we start talking. Now, I remind you, this is in the midst of me, Struggling with an addiction, struggling with having no hope, not knowing what I'm going to do with my life, trying just to survive going the next day to the next day to the next day. And we're walking back to our dorm after class and I'm talking with Levi and he talks to me about a ministry that he's going to, he goes to church a lot. And as soon as he brings up church and as soon as he brings up ministry, automatically I want to start shutting down. Because, in the midst of my chaos and frustration and anxiety and depression and addiction, there was no thought in my head. There was no thinking that, hey, maybe God can help with this. This wasn't a part of my life. And so he said that, and I kind of shut down and I said, no, thanks, that's good, you go to that, but I- I'm all right. And he knows I'm not all right. <laughs> And so he goes to crew, I think it was, on Tuesday nights, and then comes the weekend, and he goes Sunday morning church, and he, he, he said he's going to this thing called Oasis. And he says at this church, it's called Brookings Western Church, back in the time, again, there's been name changes, I'm that old. And going to Brookings Western Church, going to this college ministry, it's called Oasis, come with us. I go, no, I'm all right, thank you, though. And a couple weeks pass, and it's a couple weeks of, of these two, Levi and then his roommate Morgan, just befriending me and loving on me. They were the ones that for some reason I could call at any time when I needed a ride because I was doing stupid things. And they'd come pick me up. They were the ones that when I'd come stumbling into the, into the dorm, into the hall, I would knock on their door because I needed someone to talk to, and all of a sudden I'd just spill my guts and they would listen. They showed me a friendship and a love that I'd never experienced before. In the midst of being hopeless, being lost, being depressed, having no idea what I want to do with my life. I experienced true friendship. And what I came to realize is that these two young 18-year-old kids had something about them and in them that I just knew I needed. And so in the midst of us being friends and me living a life that that was destruction and and taking me down a path that was um, going nowhere... A path that was filled with hopelessness. They befriended me, and they keep inviting me to church, and I'd say no. And they keep inviting me to church, and I'd say no. And then one week hit where I got a call from my dad, and he said, "All right, Dad, uh, Ben, I'm sorry to tell you this, but your mom's going into rehab again. And your sister, at the time, my sister is two years younger, so she's a sophomore, and um, she's moving out of the house. She's going to go live with her boyfriend." And my dad's calling me because he's asking me what he thinks he should do about it. And I sit there, and I'm on my futon, because you have to have a futon if you're in the dorms. And I go, Dad, I have no idea. And I hang up the phone, and I sit on my futon, and I think the only thing I want to do right now is forget about this moment. The only thing I want to do right now is go drink and just forget about today and get to the next day. And I wanted so bad to get up from the futon, but I couldn't. And then a short time later, this is on a Sunday, Levi and Morgan come knocking on the door. And the door opens, and they say, hey, Ben. They have no idea what just happened, no idea the conversation that I had. They say, Ben, we're going to church. You want to come? I remember them asking the question, and then I remember walking through the church doors. There's a time frame in my life that I don't remember. They could have beat me over the head and drugged me here. I don't remember. I don't remember it. They asked the question, and then I was walking into the church. Weirdest experience of my life. But I am ended up walking into, and if you guys don't know this church, this is Grace Point, there's an activity center that's on the other side of the building. That's where Oasis used to be because we couldn't fit this many people, and we didn't have this many people in that room. Amen. This is what God has done with this ministry. And so we are over in the activity center, and we're walking in, and I'm walking in again, a hopeless guy, struggling with addiction, don't know what he's going to do with his life, coming into church with a bunch of young people. And I'm looking around, I'm thinking, I might come back just because there's some cute-looking girls here. <laughs> Which is, I'm, praise the Lord I didn't get struck by lightning in that moment. <laughs> I'm thankful God doesn't do that. And we sit down and all of a sudden music starts playing, kind of like what we had tonight, which was just so beautiful and I'm so thankful for our worship team. And, and music started playing, and people were standing and I see people singing and they're raising their hands and I'm looking down my row, we're in the third row, close to, to, the, to the worship team, there's words on the screen and everyone has their eyes closed because everyone knows the words on the screen, but I don't know the words on the screen and they all have their hands up, like they know what they're doing and I'm sitting there like, I am a, I'm a psycho, I don't know what's going on right now. Like, how does everyone know? Why do they need a screen? Why are there words on the screen if everyone knows the words of the song? This is ridiculous. <laughs> I don't understand what's the point of projecting projector and a screen if everyone knows the words. And Levi and Morgan, and I look over at them because they're the two that brought me, and they are just sold out in singing. The song was, was oh, I don't even remember, marvelous something. And they're just going at it. And I'm looking like, man, they really believe this stuff. And something started happening in my heart and in my mind that's like, man, is this the thing that I'm missing? Is this the thing that the hopeless, broken, lost, depressed kid who doesn't know what he's going to do with his life, is this what he's missing? It can't be this simple. It can't be this easy. And then I start running through my own head and start doubting really God at the time, but I was saying, there's no way God would want me because of the things that I've done. And so we get done with worship, and we sit down, and everyone's sweating except for me because I'm just watching these people who just were sold out in worship. And they bring up a guy named Austin Fagerlin, and he's sitting with the Oasis pastor at the time, Rick Whiff, and they're doing this interview. And he just starts interviewing and asks him questions about his faith, about why he's following Jesus, about why his faith is so important to him. And I don't remember any of it, (laughs) except for this one moment. This one moment where I hear Austin say, There's a man named Jesus who was sent down by God Himself, because God loved you so much, who was sent down to earth to die for your sin, for all the things that you've done wrong, but not only to die for your sin to fix a broken relationship that you have with God because of sin. But actually, he's also promising to be with you forever. That no matter what you go through in life, he says, I will never leave you or forsake you. And that thing is what I remember. Because I'm thinking in the moment, you're telling me there's a guy who calls himself God in Jesus who's saying he's going to walk with me through my hopelessness, through my addiction, through my anxiety and depression, through me not having any idea what I want to do with my life. And in that moment, I knew I needed Jesus. I knew I needed Jesus. I didn't know anything about heaven and hell. I didn't know anything about the Trinity and the Holy Spirit and all these words, justification and sanctification and Christian words. Oh, my goodness. All I knew in the moment was that I needed Jesus. And so they did the thing where you bow your heads and you close your eyes and you do the raise your hand thing, which is always super awkward, but I love it because if they didn't do the raise your hand thing, the pastor would have never seen me raise my hand to give my life to Jesus and come talk to me. And if he didn't do the raise my hand thing, I would not be alive today. I really believe that. And what's crazy about giving my life to Jesus is the very next day, I still felt hopeless. (laughs) I still struggled with addiction. I still had anxiety. And I still had no idea what I want to do with my life. But I started watching as Levi and Morgan started following Jesus and what they, how they lived their life. And I said, okay, if I'm going to do this thing, I'm going to watch how these people live their life. So I started going to a small group and I started getting connected in the church. And I went to a mission trip That was really great. And we went to Panama City Beach and we shared the gospel and Jesus with people on the beach and it was super frightening and scary and weird but super great at the same time. And as I started just being in community and getting involved with the church, there started to become clarity that it wasn't so much about needing to have this perfect picture or image of what I needed to be or wanted to do with my life. What it was about was my just allowing myself to submit to what God is asking me to do on a day-to-day basis, because then everything else will come. Because even if everything else was taken away right now that I have, God is still good and he's still faithful. And so what I want to ask you right now, what I want you to try to picture, what's the vision that you have for your life? What's that image and that picture that you have here? And I want to challenge you this. I want to challenge you to bring God into that. For a picture ultimately is what God wants for us. A vision for our life is ultimately the picture of what God wants for us. And it starts first and foremost with the relationship with him. This kickoff night, I'm so excited for what God has for this year. I've been praying nonstop for every single one of you. I haven't met a lot of you, and I love you. And what's amazing about our God is that he loves you more. And so what I want to do is give people an opportunity just to rest, to relax, and to respond to Jesus tonight. For for here's if I could do this every night I would do it, but I know people would get sick of it. God created you to be in relationship with you, period. Despite what you think of yourself, despite what you've done in your life, God desires a relationship with you. Now the problem that happened is that Adam and Eve in the garden, they sinned. They broke a law and a command that God gave them. And when they sinned, evil and, and sin entered the world. And because of that, we all were born with this, what, what Christians like to call, in the church like to call this sinful nature. And what sin is, is just living for yourself. That's what sin is. We've all done it. Adam and Eve did it. We've all done it. And once we start living for ourselves and doing the things that God doesn't want us to do or, or ask us to do, A relationship is broken, but God still desires that relationship. So, what he did is he sent Jesus down on earth to die a death that we deserve to die. And by dying on the cross and being raised to life three days later, by putting our trust in Jesus, by putting our trust in Jesus, by aligning ourselves completely to Jesus that relationship is fixed. That doesn't mean life gets better, but that means we can actually start experiencing true, full life. What God actually intended for us. Jesus came, he died, and he rose again. That our relationship with God that was broken because of sin would be fixed and redeemed and restored. And all he asks you to do is to say yes to Jesus. And say, Jesus, I trust you. I need you. I want you. So we're going to do what they did with me 13 years ago. Everyone bow your head and close your eyes. And what I want right now in this moment is if you've never, if you've never said yes to Jesus, If you've never said, Jesus, I trust that your death was enough, your death on the cross was enough to pay for all my sin. Tonight, if you want to give your life to Jesus, would you just raise your hand right now? Just me looking. For the first time, you've never said yes to Jesus, knowing that he's paid the penalty for your sin. Thank you. Thank you. If you just raise your hand, just just in your own words, say this, say, just thank God for who he is. Say, in your own words, God, I've recognized that I've done wrong things against you. In your own words, tell Jesus that you need him, that you trust him, that you want him, that you believe his death and resurrection was enough to fix the relationship between you and God. Say, I want to stop living for myself. I want to start living for you. Now there's some here who you've done this before. But I think what's incredible about how our Father works and how God works is that he gives us moments and opportunity not just to recommit, but to reorient. To come back and to recognize that he, his grace is enough, that his love is never ending. So for those of you tonight who just want to say, Jesus, I'm coming back to you. Just tell him that. In your own words, thank him that there's nothing you could do that would ever stop him from loving you. the team come up, the worship team come up and, and we're gonna, I'm gonna pray for you guys and we're gonna go into a time of worship again. But before I do, I just wanna say for those of you that for the first time tonight, you gave your life to Jesus one, amen. Praise the Lord. You are a son and a daughter of God. Jesus, one of the last things he says is, He he tells his disciples and the apostles to go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And Brendan said it tonight that we're going to have baptisms coming up at the end of the month. And so, if you'd like to get baptized, what baptism is is just an outward expression of faith in Jesus. It's saying that I'm going down in the water. I'm saying I'm I'm dying to my sin and I'm coming up, being alive and risen into Christ. It's the public expression in front of the family of God saying I belong, I want to be, and I am a part of your family because of Jesus. So if you want to get baptized, mark it on the connection card. Come talk to us in the info center. For those of you who gave your life to Jesus, who may be recommitted tonight, We have a next steps table that's out in the foyer. And we wanna be able to give every single person in here who doesn't have a Bible, a Bible. We wanna be able to give you opportunity to connect with our God and our Father every single day. And at the next step table, there's opportunity to connect with small groups and get connected to to, to the church. But more so, we just wanna be an encouragement to you and we wanna pray for you. I'm gonna pray We're going to continue in worship. And during worship, if you need prayer for something, if you just need someone to listen to you and pray over you and encourage you, we got people standing in the back. Don't be afraid to go ask them for prayer. Father God, we thank you for tonight. God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that despite us living for ourselves on a day-to-day basis, you love us and you want us. And while we were living for ourselves, Jesus, you died for us. And your death and resurrection was payment and was enough to fix the relationship that was broken between us and the Father. So we praise you for that. Thank you, Jesus, that you paid it all. Tonight, as we continue to worship, as we continue just to give you praise, to rest in your goodness, help us understand that the image that we may have for our life of what we think should happen to be a part of what you desire to happen in our life. I thank you, God, that you do put passions and desires on our hearts. And I thank you, God, so much that you desire to be with us, that you are for us and not against us, that your love never ends, that nothing can separate us from your love.